are a church project. We are a church. We're a gathering of people who love Jesus and want to know him and love him more. We love each other and we love the mission of Jesus in this world and we want to live that out together. Um, if you're a first time guest here at Church Project, welcome. Uh, you normally don't get me, so you're lucky or I'm sorry, one or the other. Uh, Aaron wasn't able to be here today. I'm sure he'll share with us more about uh, where he's at next week when he's back, uh, but it's a pretty cool story. But I want to talk to uh, you all about community and fellowship. We want to continue on this journey uh, with community and fellowship. So if you want to follow along with me, you're welcome to uh, in the Version Bible app. We keep the notes. No? Oh. I submitted them, but sometimes when I submit them, they don't go through. When Aaron does it, they always go through. So I don't know why. He's got the magic touch. Maybe I need to have Aubrey come and show me how to do it. <laughs> um, well, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to focus on, uh, we've been focusing on verses 19 through 25. We're going to focus, drill in on one of those verses. Uh, be, be, before I do that, I want to talk a little bit about community and fellowship, and Aaron's been hitting this uh, for the last few weeks, and community is this word that we use a lot in our society. Um, if you ever even look at, and maybe even on drinking water, it'll say something like, join our community on Facebook, or join our community on Twitter. And so we use this word community, and all community means is that we have something in common. We live in, if you live in Greeley, you're part of the community of Greeley. But it doesn't really mean anything. You don't have to interact with anybody in community, you just have to have some commonality. Fellowship, on the other hand, is, um, I really like how Aaron broke this word down, but it's fellow and ship. So ship is something that carries out the previous word. The, it's like the art of doing something. And fellow comes from the old English, and it literally means fee and lay. And so when you break this all down, it means that somebody who lays down money or a fee in a joint effort, a joint venture. Fellowship is when two or more people have skin in the game, that they've put their money where their mouth is. They've said, we're going to work mutually together to try to achieve uh, a goal. We've made an investment, and we're going to work that investment together. So that's a much deeper thing than just community. Community just means you exist together. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't know that we are lacking in community, but we're definitely lacking in fellowship. So I want to just read these verses from Hebrews uh, chapter 10, 19 through 25. Before I do, let's just pray real quick. Father God, we just thank you for an opportunity for us to gather together. God, we just pray that during this time together that this would be more fellowship than community, that we would experience your word and see things that we've never seen before. God, we just pray that your spirit would move through this uh, building, through our hearts, through our minds, 
uh, through our words and through your words. God, we uh, give this time to you. God, we just pray uh, that your spirit uh, would come and meet us where we're at. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So these words in Hebrew say, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur each other on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So this morning, we're going to focus on verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. A former boss of mine, he used any, he had these like weird sayings that he would say, and they were like, um, kind of like drunken proverbs. I don't know how to describe it, but um, they were kind of worthless sayings, but they were kind of funny. And so anytime anybody would say, well, I hope I can do that, he would always say, well, you can hope in one hand and spit in the other and tell me which one fills up faster. And you may have heard that one before, maybe heard a variation of that one uh, before. Most often we use this word hope as something of like uncertainty, that we hope something's going to happen. I guarantee you there's a lot of people that were hoping this week when they saw the mega millions reach a billion dollars. There's a lot of people that bought tickets that were hoping they were going to win. But it's this hope of uncertainty. It's like, well, I hope I win this. I hope I make the field goal. I hope she says yes when I ask her out or whatever it is. But we, we say hope in this kind of uncertain sort of way. But the hope that we profess, the hope in God, doesn't wish something good for the future. It expects something amazing to happen. And it not only expects something amazing to happen, it knows that it's going to happen. I believe in the power of hope. I believe that as Christians, we have hope. And having hope is the most important factor in a joyful and meaningful life. Because when you have hope, anything is possible. As a Broncos fan, <laughs> when I think about hope, I think of one man, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning came to Denver after having a very serious, what should have been a career-ending neck injury. I was reading, just preparing for this, I was reading about um, his rehabilitation and his neck injury, and he could not throw the ball more than five feet during rehabilitation. Yeah, I mean, he was written off. 
Like, he is not coming back. Nothing, modern science cannot save this man. And uh, so, the Indianapolis Colts let him go. Bad for them, good for Denver. I always like the fact that uh, Denver stole two of the best quarterbacks from Indy, John Elway and Peyton Manning. <laughs> but Peyton Manning had hope. And hope is what the Broncos needed. A rising tide raises all ships because hope is contagious. And before Peyton Manning, there was another quarterback that we had a lot of hope in. His name was Tim Tebow. And although I like him and he was a good football player, we didn't have the same kind of hope in Tim Tebow that we had in Peyton Manning. We had the uncertain kind of hope in Tim Tebow. We had the we can do it kind of hope in Peyton Manning. So you may remember Tim Tebow in, in, nine, or sorry, in 2011. He had an okay season. It wasn't a great season. It was okay. They won eight, lost eight. His claim to fame was beating the Steelers in overtime. That was a great game. It was fun to, fun to watch. <clears throat> In that season, Tim Tebow had a passer rating of 72.9. And if you don't know what passer rating is, it's this calculation that they calculate all their um, passing yards, attempts, touchdowns, complete, completions, interceptions, and they come up with this number. And the highest number you can get is 158.6, I think, and the lowest number is zero, obviously. And so he was right in the middle. 72, it's not terrible, it's not great. Um, you probably are not going to write home about it, but it's okay. On the other hand, in 2015, Manning had a passer rating of 67.9. Five points lower than Tim Tebow's. The Broncos won 12 Lost eight, went on to win Super Bowl 50. You guys might remember that. It was a great day in Colorado history. <laughs> but one thing that, Tim, that Manning had that Tim Tebow didn't have was this hope. And Manning's hope was different than Tebow's for this. We knew what Manning was capable of. We'd seen Manning do things that seemed impossible. And so... When we were behind, I say we like I played on the team. <laughs> That's a good Broncos fan. When you say we, that means you own it. Um, so we, uh, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, so when we were behind, we knew Peyton Manning, he's got this. We know that he can come back. We, he can bring us back. We had confidence in his ability because we'd seen it in the past. And we had full assurance that he was going to do it again. And he did. Praise God. <laughs> I just want to go on a, a small rabbit trail. Just, just step aside for just a second. I love Paul's writing style. Whenever I read Paul's letters, it's like my mind is opened and blown away. I don't, 
Paul must have had some kind of training in creative writing or he took a class in community college or something because he has a great way of writing in his letters. So we have hope that has this layer of uncertainty in it. And it's this thing that we want, but we can't really grasp. And so we don't really understand what hope is. And we have this like question mark behind hope. But Paul does this amazing thing uh, in the verses previous to uh, 23 when he talks about hope. He sets the stage perfectly for us to move into this place of trust in hope. It says, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, when we have confidence, he puts that word confidence in there. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. He puts full assurance and he puts faith. And I don't think he uses these words confidence, full assurance, and faith by accident. I think he uses these words in these verses to get us into the mindset where when he mentions hope that we're already there. We're already believing that this is possible because we have confidence, we have full assurance, we have faith, and then we have hope. And it just builds on itself. When we have faith, confidence, full assurance, hope doesn't seem so uncertain. It seems possible. So why do we have hope? Why as Christians do we have confidence in hope? Why is the hope in God different than the hope in winning the lottery? What makes us believe in the power of hope as Christians? It says in Romans 15, 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that provide, they provide, we might have hope. That through scripture, we might have hope. Just like with Peyton Manning, we knew what he was capable of. Do you know what God is capable of? Has he proven himself over and over in your life? Are you unsure about what God can do, what God can change, where God can take you? If you're, if you're at least even a little bit unsure, just look into scripture. The Bible is full of God's faithfulness. And so when we have hope, we have this hope and assurance that things are gonna happen, that God's gonna come through. Through faith in Christ, we have hope. I, it blows my mind that we, um, we look at Scripture and we see this man come to earth as the Son of God and who lives a perfect life. Just a perfect life blows my mind in a lot of different ways. I don't know that I can go one day without sinning, let alone an entire lifetime, that's mind-blowing. Then he teaches us everything that we need to know. And then he goes to a cross and gets punished for something that he never even did. And then he dies, and then he rises from the dead. He's proven himself a miracle worker. Throughout his life, Jesus showed us that anything is possible. We're never so far behind that God can't come through. 
So when we say that we have hope, we can say it with confidence because we know that God keeps his promises and we see this evidence throughout scripture. How do we receive hope? We receive hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, he gives us hope. It says, may the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow with hope. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? That if you lived your life and you knew that anything was possible, that there was no limitations because you were overflowing with hope. So what do we do with hope? I think that becomes the biggest question, is now that we have it and we've received it and it's, it's available to us, what do we do with it? Well, in these verses, it tells us that we hold unswervingly. We don't use that word very often, but we know what it means. We hold unswervingly to hope. We owe, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We maintain our hope, and we know that God is faithful. There's this correlation between faith and hope. I don't think that they can uh, exist separate from each other. Do you? I mean, when you think about faith, you got to have hope. When you think about hope, you got to have faith. I don't think that they can be separated from each other. Paul talks about faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That may be true, but the power to love comes through faith and hope, and hope may be the catalyst to make it possible. I was reading this story about um, this Catholic priest, and he wrote um, this paper uh, about the Divine Sisters, and the Divine Sisters are faith, hope, and love. And he talks about how uh, these divine sisters are holding hands and they're walking hand in hand with faith on one side, love on the other, and hope, the youngest and smallest sister in the middle. And when you look at these three sisters walking, it looks like faith and love are pulling hope along. But when you really understand it, it's hope that's pulling faith, and love along. It's the excited child that gets ahead of the story, that they're moving on. They believe so much that it's possible that they're already in the next place. Isn't that where we want to be as Christians, that we want to have this hope that we're already moving on to the next place, that we're not sitting in the past, but we're moving forward because we have hope, and that we believe so much of that hope that we can do anything that we're going to go ahead and go for it. There's also a going for it, but there's also a patientness about hope. When you have assurance that it's going to happen, you can be patient. It says, for in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait patiently for it. So we're 
in this place of waiting patiently, but knowing that something is coming. And so we're moving forward as we're waiting patiently. That's Romans 8, 24 and 25. I love that idea of having so much confidence that something's going to happen, that we're going for it, but we're also in this place of anticipation and waiting for God to come through. So we started with fellowship and community, and we should go back there. Let's talk about fellowship and hope. Because we know that hope is contagious. We know that when somebody else gets excited and we know that the Broncos are going to do it because of Peyton Manning, we all get excited and we all go buy jerseys and we all go get hats and we buy tickets to the game and we watch them uh, on TV. Unlike this year where I don't really care if I miss a game. (laughs) Although last week was pretty good. There's this fellowship connected to hope because of its contagiousness. When we are hopeless, we need hopeful people around us. That's the only way we're going to get through this. 1 Peter 3.15, I'm sure you've heard this verse before. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give them the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We always, we have this hope. We need to have an answer for it. Where there is no hope, there is no hope. That's just the fact of the matter. Where there is no hope, there is no hope. How are you at fellowship? If you think that fellowship is about mutually investing with each other, how are you at fellowship? Are you invested with other people? Do you got skin in the game? Fellowship doesn't happen in a fellowship hall, my friends, or in a gym, or in somebody's house. It happens in relationships. Fellowship happens when we get real with ourselves, we get real with God, we get real with, our, with each other. It's when you're mutually invested in relationships with other people. It's in a house church in relationships where you're sharing deep stuff. Are you, are you willing to really go deep? Are you really willing to go and invest in relationships? There's a lot of risk involved in this kind of investment. Blackmail has to be a two-way street when we talk about these kind of relationships. If you're handing over blackmail, you better expect that person to hand over some blackmail as well. That's when you're mutually invested. You guys know what I'm talking about. When you've shared something with somebody else and they didn't share something back and then that came to bite you. I mean, if we want to be real with each other, we got to take a risk. We got to put our trust in some other people and believe that they're going to have our backs. When we're hopeless, we got to believe that they've got hope that they're going to give to us. When you're in hopeless situations, where do you go? Do you unplug? Do you watch TV? Do you play video games? Do you separate yourself, isolate yourself from other people? 
Or do you go to where you know there's hope? Do you surround yourself with people who are full, with, full of hope that can give you some hope? Hope is this well that never runs dry. And the more you draw out of it, the more it fills up. It never goes away. I get the sense uh, today that, at least for me, I want to be set free. I want to have hope. I want to believe that God can do amazing things. I believe that we, as a body of believers, we have addictions that want to be broken. We have marriages that need healing. We have bodies that need healing. We have people that need to forgive. We have people that need forgiveness. If you really want it, can you put it on the line? Can you believe that you're mutually invested with the people in this room? Do you look around this room and just see a bunch of strangers, or do you see people that can give you hope? I believe that we have a God that hands out hope freely. And that hope can bring restoration. I believe that God is making all things new. And that starts with hope. Believing and having hope that God is making all things new. And I think that today may be the day. Are we a hopeful church? Do we want fellowship? Are we willing to trade some blackmail? I want to ask uh, Jeremy and Brooke to come uh, back up. We did worship a little bit different today. We just did two songs in the beginning because I wanted to invite uh, Ginger and Jeff. And I don't know if Kim is here and Jason. Yeah. Um, these guys, I asked if they would just be willing to pray with anybody that needs prayer. That anybody that's in a hopeless situation that really needs somebody to pour some hope into their life. These are people that I trust, that I would share deep things with, and know that that blackmail's going back and forth, that it's not going to be held against me what I tell them. And so I know just we get in a room this size, there's people that are hopeless or low on hope, or maybe you need your tank just topped off. Today might be the day that you can let go of some things, that you can enter into fellowship. So if you're in a place where you feel like you need some hope, if these guys want to just come forward and they will just stand over here during worship, if you feel called and inclined, please, this is a resource that is a great resource to experience some hope today. So if you're low on hope, just know that God is the God of all hope. He wants to give us hope. So if you're in a hopeless situation, today's the day to get out of it. <laughs>